0: Revolutions Per Minute is a weekly radio show from the New York City chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America, recorded live at WBAI 99.5 in Brooklyn every Tuesday at 5. RPM is about doing the work, the work to build a democratic socialist future. Every week, hear the latest news, analysis, and organizing experience from the minds and hearts of activists fighting every day in NYC. Join the movement at socialists.nyc.
1: You're listening to Revolutions Per Minute on WBAI, a socialist radio show and podcast from members of the New York City Democratic Socialist of America. I'm Lee Zishi, and I use she, her pronouns. And today we have Jabari Brisport in the studio. Jabari ran an amazing insurgent um, campaign as a socialist in 27 for city council. We'll be talking a bit about that run, what he learned from it, and um, how we can get more uh, socialists elected to city council and possibly even the White House. But first, we have the headlines with Jack Devine.
0: Yo, it's good, New York? This is Jack Devine with Revolutions Per Minutes Headlines, brought to you by The Thorn. After the counting of absentee ballots in the Queens DA race, Melinda Katz took a 20-vote lead, later reduced to 16, over Tiffany Caban. The slim margin triggers an automatic manual recount to start this week. Such a closely watched race is shedding light on New York's unusually restrictive voting laws and the difficulties faced by many voters in the state. A bill passed by the state legislator this session, but not yet signed by Governor Cuomo, could play a pivotal role in the outcome. For more details, check out our story on thethorn.nyc. In other news related to New York's criminal justice system, more than 200,000 low-level marijuana convictions were thrown out thanks to a law passed in Albany last month, but the New York Drug Policy Alliance suggested that the number should be closer to 900,000. The woman's Solitary Confinement Unit at Rikers Island is open again after being closed during the probe into Layleen and Polanco's death last month. The Department of Corrections is free to torture the most vulnerable people in our society once again. Three city cyclists were killed in less than a week, bringing the annual total to 15 and prompting Mayor de Blasio to renew his commitment to the action plan announced at the Department of Transit in 2017. I wouldn't hold your breath on de Blasio actually doing anything. Climate activists are divided over the compromise bill that Governor Cuomo signed last month. Eco-socialists continue to organize for democratization of energy ownership across New York State. Meanwhile, in Chicago, Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa says the new Democratic Socialist Caucus in the city council will push for a municipal takeover of ComEd. In other news from the Midwest, Amazon warehouse workers in Minnesota plan to strike on Prime Day, the company's summer sales extravaganza. Back in New York, organizers with Con Mijente and Make the Road protested in front of Palantir's offices yesterday demanding the corporation cancel its contract with ICE. The immigrant justice movement continues to spread across the country. Since last Sunday, June 30th, organizers with the Never Again Action campaign have taken direct action against ICE's reign of terror. Thousands of Jews and their allies have taken to the streets to protest not only the horrific concentration camps at the border, but the terrorizing of immigrant communities throughout the whole country. The organizers declared, quote, we have seen this before, and when we say never again, we mean it. This is just the beginning. We are not stopping until ICE is shut down. They're planning a massive action to shut down ICE in D.C. on July 16th. Speaking of horrible crimes perpetuated by the American ruling class and the most vulnerable people in our society, Jeffrey Epstein, the billionaire money manager, was arrested in New Jersey on Saturday and charged with sex trafficking in connection with allegations that he recruited young girls for abuse at his homes in New York and Palm Beach. He was indicted in 2007 for sexually abusing children, but ultimately got just 13 months in a county jail, thanks to a deal signed by Alexander Acosta, then the U.S. Attorney for Miami, and now President Trump's Secretary of Labor. Epstein has long established relationships with Trump, who has been accused of raping a 13-year-old girl at one of Epstein's parties, and former President Bill Clinton, who has flown on Epstein's planes multiple times. It's almost like the American ruling class uses entrenched power to escape consequences for their moral depravity. Now back to Lee on how we can fight back against the American ruling class at the ballot box.
1: Our daily headlines are brought to you by The Thorn, an incredible weekly newsletter by NYC DSA Electoral Working Group covering local politics and radical activism. You can subscribe at thethorn.nyc. This is Lee Zishi, I use she, her pronouns, and you're listening to Revolutions Per Minute. And we are joined today um, in the studio by Jabari Brisport. Jabari ran for city council in 2017 as a socialist, and we're gonna really dig into that on today's show. Um, But first Jabari, can you just kind of introduce yourself a little bit and maybe tell our listeners what kind of work you're doing right now within DSA?
2: Uh, yeah, no problem. Hi, everybody. This is Jabari Brisport. I use he, him pronouns. I'm a native New Yorker. I'm from Brooklyn originally. i from Prospect Heights. And uh, right now I'm a public school teacher, and I'm teaching math in Crown Heights to middle school students. And in, in, inside of DSA, I'm predominantly doing work within the Afro-Socialist Caucus. I really believe it's important that um, we bring more people of color into socialist organizing, and I believe that it's people of color that are already within uh, the socialist world that should be leading that.
1: And what kind of campaigns in specific do the Afro-Socialists work on?
2: We, I mean, we're kind of connected to all, all the various campaigns within DSA. So we have members that are doing the Medicare for All stuff. We have... Members that were canvassing for New York Health Act, working on that, members that are doing electoral. A lot of us were helping on the Tiffany Caban campaign. Some of us are doing criminal justice reform with the campaign for an elected civilian review board. And some of us were doing um, were part of the winning campaign to do the campaign to um, decrease school suspensions
1: actually, you know, intersectionality yes. <laughs> in, in practice. Um, you're listening to Revolutions Per Minute on listener sponsor WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on all your favorite podcast apps. You can follow Revolutions Per Minute um, all the time on Twitter at NYC RPM. And today we are talking about what it would look like to elect a uh, democratic socialist city council and also get a Socialist into the White House, and we are joined by Jabari Brisport. So we are going to start off by listening to a speech that Jabari gave um, at a fundraiser while he was running for city council in
3: 2017. Here's the I, I did get detained today. Yes, I got some handcuffs on me. Yes, it was fighting against the Bedford Union Armory, and for those who don't know, we walked in late. It's this nasty project down in Crown Heights, where the city is trying to sell away public land to a, a Trump-loving developer called BFC Partners that wants to build a lot of luxury condos. Yeah, terrible. So we were fighting against the old fighting, fighting, fighting. Unfortunately, while I was handcuffed in the back room, the city, or the uh, CLC, uh, voted yes on it. Hold on, it goes to the city council next, so we'll see if they shut it down. Hopefully, we can. Hopefully, we keep fighting against it. Uh, I did not see myself being in handcuffs a year ago or two years ago. Uh, two years ago, I was just finding out about Bernie Sanders and starting to feel the burn. Uh, and here I am. Here I am, uh, surrounded by a lot of love and a lot of great people, running the most insurgent third party campaign in recent New York history. Yeah. I'm also, um, also a member of DSA, and we're running on the Socialist Battle Line, because uh, one of the things we believe in this campaign is that we need a world and an economy and a political system that centers around people's needs, not just profit margins for the very wealthy. So, yeah. so welcome, just you, we're fighting for healthcare as a human right, housing as a human right, a decent education for every single person. For black Lives to Matter, and for women to be treated as equals in every single room they go into. So I want to thank you again. You heard the numbers. We knocked on 35,000 doors. We raised over 150,000 in private and public funds. And in about seven days, I think we're going to show this city that when we fight for things that we believe in, we win.
1: And so that was Jabari in 2017. And when you didn't, you know, ultimately actually win the seat on city council, I think there can be a lot of things that are considered a victory coming out of this. You know, a lot of groundwork was laid, I think, for future campaigns. I know a lot of people who volunteered later on campaigns like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or um, State Senator Julia Salazar, you know, might have gotten some of their first door knocking experiences or phone banking on your campaign. Um, But, you know, at the time when you ran in 2017, like, you know, obviously Bernie Sanders had kind of made Democratic socialism, a little bit more popular. But there weren't, you know, these big victories yet that we had seen here. So what kind of, why did you decide to run for city council? And why did you decide to run on the socialist uh, line?
2: Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. So I got really radicalized into electoral politics from the Bernie Sanders campaign. I had mostly done issue based campaigns, but I got really into electoralism with Bernie because it made me think of like, just really the concept that I could rather than just like fighting for specific issues against the the politicians in office, I could elect somebody that agreed with me on pretty much everything like Bernie Sanders did, and you know i friends had like mentioned I should like run for office they liked what I had to say, and I think the night of But the day after Trump getting elected, I was marching and it was just like raining and gloomy and it just felt like like hell had opened up in New York City. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, this isn't enough. Like, you know, we're marching and there's thousands of thousands of us out here. But until we get more people that are socialists or like minded into actual office, like nothing's going to change. And I wanted to do something local. And that's why I decided on city council.
1: And like I said, you know, at the time when you ran, it, I think, you know, a lot of this has really become much more popular to run as a socialist. But mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, as popular, I think, at the time, even though Bernie Sanders had made it more popular. Mm-hmm. What was it like running as a socialist? Like were people yeah. being like, don't do that. Like that's going to make you not elected. Or what was it like?
2: It's funny. It's like one of the other candidates. Um, she was a Democratic challenger. To the incumbent in the Democratic primary was like you gotta tone that down because it's throwing people off. But like, it really wasn't. Like people either seem to have either a positive view of socialism or just a neutral like. What does that word mean? And even at one of the housing forums that we, we went to, I remember like you know i was giving my 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 speech my stump speech just my intro and when i was talking about gentrification i was like it's caused by capitalism and like this entire audience of people that whether they were new to socialism or not cheered and then when i said i was running as an open socialist like half the room still cheered like it was nobody was like oh god what is that russia like people were either into it or they were open to learning more
1: yeah I was uh volunteering for you on election day, and I only had one person who was like i 'm not voting for a socialist but I had there were so many people that were coming that were like mm-hmm. super super excited mm-hmm. like I was convinced that you were like going to win by a landslide mm-hmm. because like mm-hmm. so many people were coming up to me and telling me how excited they were and I also you know like knock some doors, and people really cared about the issues that you were running on, especially when you explained like capitalism is creating these problems mm-hmm. these are the solutions so you know in in the clip we heard some of the things that you were running on can you talk a little bit about like what your platform was and you know how people resonated with that
2: people really liked the idea of like taking the war to the to the developers i think people had have been tired, especially housing activists of, of playing defense against the real estate industry. And a lot of my thing was like, well, let's go at them. Let's um, let's focus on just working with nonprofit developers. I took a hard line of saying I would just work with nonprofit developers, and I thought it was a pretty hard line. And even by by the end of the campaign, by some of the final forums, like the other candidates were saying the same thing, too, about, you know, wanting to only work or predominantly work with nonprofit developers. So there was that. I was also just talking about, like, looking for vacancy taxes, um, taxes on flipping houses, um, looking, like, for ways to, like, get, like, you know, a blacklist on, on, like, poor, like, 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 bad landlords or, like, slumlords, uh, really, like, bringing the fight to them on housing. And people, people really responded to that.
1: Yeah, and the Bedford Armory deal Mm -hmm. um, was very much a a central issue. Can you tell people if they're not familiar what Mm -hmm. that was all about?
2: Yeah, so the Bedford Armory was a huge city block-sized armory in Crown Heights that was defunct, empty for a while. And the community had been clamoring for you know, the city to do something with it. And this company, BFC Partners stepped in and what they were going to do, they put all these lovely sweet things in there like um, a recreation center and, um, and spaces for nonprofits and this and that and then tried to slip in a bunch of like condos <laughs> in the back like nobody would notice. And the community was like, absolutely not. That's going to gentrify the the crap out of the neighborhood. Like we can't we can't do that. And so there was a big uproar against that we were fighting for 100 percent affordable housing. I was specifically pushing for something called a community land trust, which would basically put the entire army into the hands of like a nonprofit entity, entity with like community stakeholders and nonprofit developers. And it's a you know it's a very socialist like you know endeavor. And um, we fought and we fought and we fought. And I actually I had forgotten that I was handcuffed the day of that that speech that you played <laughs> earlier really fighting against the C the C the CPC. But um, yeah, no, we fought and we fought, and we eventually got the condos out. We didn't get it 100% affordable. I think there's, there ended up being a lot of market rate housing um, units in it at the end, but we definitely made a dent, and we definitely made our voices heard.
1: And what role did, like, city council have to play in that? You know, because that was, like, the office you were running for mm-hmm. at the time, and what kind of, like, power did they have in that, and that?
2: Yeah, one of city council's biggest powers in New York City is land use. Like, city council decides on whether or not they're going to bulldoze that three-family home, and build a 20-story, you know, super complex right there. Like, you know, city council sets the zoning limits. It sets, like, you know, what you can build where. And ultimately, like in a case of the Bedford Union Armory, it's the thumbs up or the thumbs down from the city council person that represents that district if we're going to have this luxury housing complex or have something that works for the community.
1: And and so you were running as a socialist on mm-hmm. these platforms. What was kind of the strategy to win? And obviously in, in all of DSA's campaigns, you know, grassroots organizing is an incredibly important part of that. What mm-hmm. did that look like on your campaign?
2: We start a number at the beginning of, of looking at the um, the vote totals in the general and decided we needed around 15,000 votes to win. And I got around 9,000 in, in the end. But we decided we just need to reach a lot of people, especially voters that maybe didn't typically vote, Um i needed to you know be awakened or want to come out to that so we knocked on a lot of doors uh we you know Typical things like, you know, flyers, social media, and just getting out there with the community, like being out there with the protests and the rallies, like standing alongside the people, and just meeting lots of people and asking them what was concerning to them.
1: And, you know, in the end, you were talking about how many doors you knocked. Mm -hmm. Like, what were the numbers that you reached? And like, how many people do you think, I mean, you probably don't have an exact number, but how many people came through? Because I remember being at your campaign office that week, and it was Mm -hmm. like packed. There was a lot of people out there, a lot of DSA members, a lot of Green Mm -hmm. Party folks, like,
2: Mm -hmm. knocking on doors. Yeah, If I thank you for playing that clip again because I had forgotten. So we knocked on 35,000 doors, and I want to say – if I remember correctly, around 500 DSA volunteers came out. I forget how many in total, but we had a sizable operation for city council. And um, especially with, uh, an indep- on an independent line, that was just something that was like not seen before.
1: Yeah. And I mean, my personal experience on election day was that I think you really scared, you know, the mm-hmm. incumbent city councilwoman because I remember like being out there, I was literally out there pretty much the entire day. So I was out there Thank like you. first thing in the morning. <laughs> well, it was worth it, you know, it was yes. definitely worth it. Um, and so I was out there in the morning and I think was Lori Combo's like campaign manager kind of came up to me and she's like well you know he's not going to win right and I was like I don't know we've been like been knocking on a lot of doors making mm-hmm. a lot of phone calls and I just saw this kind of like look like cross over her face where like I think they were worried for a second yeah. and then you know an hour later all of a sudden this like kid is like across the street you know handing out flyers for her and he didn't really seem to kind of <laughs> just you know you've seen some of those people out there who seem mm-hmm. like they're getting paid or you know they're somebody's kid mm-hmm. and they don't you know, it's not like in their heart, right. you know, they're not out there all day. Mm-hmm. And then at some point in the day, like somebody called the cops, like somebody from their <gasps> campaign called the cops on me and this like cop car rolls up and they're like, oh, uh, so we got a call that you were uh, soliciting. And I was like, what? what I think you mean is electioneering. And I wasn't because I talked to the cop this morning and I'm like totally uh-huh. like a far distance away. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was like a rainy cold day, but that experience was really worth it for me. I talked to so many people, a couple people who had no idea really who they were voting for Mm -hmm. going into it, didn't really know what the issues were and kind of, you know, also had really great conversations like Mm -hmm. knocking on doors with people. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people who like, Hates canvassing. Mm-hmm. Like I actually enjoy it. Once I'm mm-hmm. doing it, it's like that. Like fear, mm-hmm. just like waiting for the door to open. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you really, you really scared them, and I think you know, it's it's set up a lot of what we've seen kind of with DSA. Yeah. So, like, what are some of the lessons that you feel like you learned in your campaign, and have you seen kind of any of that translate to other um, candidates? You know, running um, mm-hmm. with DSA.
2: Yeah, I mean, one big lesson is that like people are open to much bigger ideas than we give them credit for. And people are uh, able to adjust much much more quickly or rapidly than we give them credit for. And this wasn't a direct lesson that I transferred to another campaign, but again, something I noticed was like I was the only person saying, no, we should only work with nonprofit developers. And nobody really reacting strongly to that um, in the audience, nobody thinking that was a novel or radical idea, and seeing other politicians in the race adopt it. And similarly... Do you get Alex Acacio like uh, you, you know a year later saying we're going to abolish ICE? She was the only person to say that at first, and then people start adopting it because people can take on radical ideas very quickly. They do it on the the right <laughs> the right of the political spectrum. Ra- radical ideas pop up all the time. We don't we're okay just doing radical left things. And and similar to with like the just the notion of like decriminalizing sex work that's just being like hammered by Julia Salazar's mm-hmm. campaign, by Tiffany Caban's campaign, like people will if you can even say if you put out these bold ideas, people will adopt them.
1: Yeah, and I mean we um we did a whole episode last week on Tiffany Caban's mm-hmm. campaign and that's become, you know, <laughs> such <Yes>. an interesting <laughs> story since last week. Um, mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that you know um, the guests on the show were saying is that like when you're actually consistently organizing around these issues, mm-hmm. you know, and that when your campaign is really centered on these issues and then from campaign to campaign, the organizing that's been happening and the knowledge that people learn actually like transfers mm-hmm. really well, and mm-hmm. that's how we're building a lot of power. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you excited with what you've kind of seen happen within the time since you've run?
2: I don't think anybody could have predicted that, like, DSA would become such a powerhouse in the electoral arena so quickly. Like, I remember even after, um, like, after my my race was over, because we'd only run two city council races, people were just thinking about, like, okay— we're going to, you know, get things ready and we'll be ready for 2021. We'll be ready for the city council then. And then within a year later, we're electing somebody to Congress. And we're, like, pushing people um, into state senate and, like, you know, winning, a uh, knock on wood, like, a, an entire borough for a district attorney. Like, we have – our capacity has grown so rapidly and I've been so impressed.
1: And you've volunteered for a lot of these campaigns. Yes. You know, and what's, what's that been like, like, knocking on doors and some of your own personal experience of, like, talking to people, you know, in communities about socialist values?
2: I – love talking to people about values like I think maybe in like a past life I was like an evangelical Christian or something. I don't know. just like I love like going off to doors and talking to people about a candidate I'm passionate about it really energizes me and especially when it's like they're hearing about it for the first time and they kind of they're kind of into it that really excites me. I feel like I've sparked something in them.
1: And so you're listening to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. Uh, today, we have Jabari Brisport in the studio, and we are talking a bit about his uh, very insurgent run and very powerfully run grassroots campaign for city council in 2017. And in the, coming up in the show, we're going to start talking about what it would actually look like to have, you know, like... we heard in the headlines um, with Jack that, you know, in Chicago, DSA members have been elected and now they're proposing, you know, to take over their utilities. Mm -hmm. Um, So first, let's talk a little bit about like, what kind of powers does city council actually have?
2: Yep. I mean, one of the big things is land use. And then other things are just like building codes, especially with, you know, the big expansive energy policy thing was like just the strengthening of building codes, making them more energy efficient. Criminal justice is a big thing. Uh, education policy. I mean, the New York City Department of Education, transit. Um, what am I missing? Commerce is a big thing, uh, especially as socialists. Yeah.
1: yeah, And I mean, it seems like, too, you know, I do a lot of organizing around climate change. And, mm-hmm. and while obviously the dirty buildings bill was like a huge thing to a lot of it seems that like city council's power is kind of like setting the direction, you know, mm-hmm. like obviously they're not always exactly lock in step with the mayor. But once mm-hmm. they start doing progressive things like mm-hmm. he wants to keep up with that. And so it kind of influences,
4: mm-hmm. you
1: know, beyond just what. Yeah they can do like legally um and so what do you think like a democratic socialist city council could accomplish
2: I mean, I would love to see, like, I mean, just thinking of the public power campaign, uh, like DSA is in coalition with, I would love to see munis- municipalization of our energy. I think that'd be great. I would love to see a public bank um, throughout New York City, especially if we could tie, like, one of the things that we did in the racial justice working group was pushing for uh, postal banking in the Bronx, and just the notion of creating like, a citywide public bank that could be a model for cities or just our country in general would be really, really awesome. Um, I... I'm sure like socialists would do something. We've come up with something radical on transit policy. I mean, you know, this is not, it's not a driving city. I don't know why people want it to be maybe in like the furthest parts of the outer boroughs, but really in like (laughs) uh, most of it, it's not, it's not a driving city. And uh, land use, again, we really would be able to put like a stopgap in a lot of just like the real estate developer fueled gentrification like housing crisis um i'm I'm sure we would find a way to you know find homes for the 70,000 homeless people in New York City with the Socialist City Council.
1: Yeah, and since you brought up the public power campaign, mm-hmm. I'm just going to give a quick plug for mm-hmm. the Eco-Socialist Working Group that is hosting a town hall in Astoria on July 22nd with council member Constantinides. So, you know, it is important to have allies in this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was at a public hearing recently at City Council um, and Council member Constantinides was calling out Con Edison, like right. just straight up being like, hey, I asked you to prove these things and you're not here. Like, how can we trust you, you know? Right. And like having, you know, people on mm-hmm. city council that aren't bought out by the Con Eds of the world or the national grids of the world, like mm-hmm. that's well, really exciting.
2: What's great too is I think we're starting to see like pol- even politicians in office be if not scared of us, be more like w- wanting to be on like our side. I mean, I just see Jimmy Von Bramer in, in uh, Queens also wanting to like, you know, what were what the socialists doing? <laughs> Was DSA doing? And that's, that's a great power to have to know that, you know, people start to look towards us, even elected officials as like a bellwether of what they should be fighting for.
1: Yeah. And so we have a lot of elections coming up for mm-hmm. city council in 2021. Can you tell us a little bit about like what that landscape looks like and like what maybe the potential is there?
2: Yeah. 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 So, the way New York City elections just end up with with the term limits, we just end up having like one election for city council where there's just like a handful of seats up are for grabs, and then another election where there's a buttload up for grabs. and 2021 is going to be a buttload up for grabs of like over 30 seats out of our 50 that will be, you know, term limited and we'll, um, it's going to be a huge race all over New York City. And I, I, I know in DSA we're planning to do, like, I think, seven or like you know around then um seven socialists elected which would be the biggest undertaking we've ever we've never run seven campaigns at once but i think we could and that's really exciting and really dope
1: yeah. What kind of like power do you think, you know, you're talking about these city council people kind of like, oh, what is, you know, mm-hmm. DSA doing? And I remember last week, people were saying that, you know, politicians who didn't even endorse Tiffany Caban were like right. showing up at the, vi- well, uh-huh. you know, the party right. <laughs> soon to be hopefully victory um, confirmed. And so like, what kind of power do you think we've built? And also talking about like, running seven elections at once, mm-hmm. you know, that's <laughs> an insane amount of work. Like, yeah. what would that actually take to do that?
2: It would take a lot, I mean luckily, New York City has a wonderful it's a very progressive financing situ- um set up for for um city candidates. We have like a public matching fund system, and I think it actually just got improved so it's like eight to one dollars so if you know somebody donates from New York city donates twenty five bucks to a candidate, it turns into uh two hundred two twenty five really um so I bring that up because you would need to raise a lot of money um for these campaigns like i mean my campaign we raised 50,000 and then we had 100,000 in matching funds but 50,000 times 7 candidates it's like you know 350,000 it's a lot and then just like the volunteer operation like is really what we'll have to finagle cuz thousands it will take we'd take thousands of foot soldiers and we'll we'll get there but it's just like it's um it's definitely going to be a new challenge that we have not done before
1: yeah, I mean, do you think DSA has grown enough and built that enough electoral power to to do that?
2: I think we will by 2021. I would say it's going to be a bit of a jump. I still I definitely think we should do it. I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll see in the next next year we'll be running hopefully, uh, you know, several campaigns at once and then we'll be ready for seven city council members in 2021.
1: Yeah, it's a really very exciting prospect and fun thing to to think about. Mm-hmm um and you know like so i mean do you think like with seven people on mm-hmm. there that'd be enough to really kind of steer city council
2: or yeah i mean you see like people are already talking like you know the, the buzz around the chicago socialists and there's only six of them and you know we got to do seven because we got to do better than chicago <laughs> so <laughs> um so i mean people are talking about a buzz there and i think they're like a similar size around 50-ish seats but um no seven is a sizable number it's not a majority you would need 26 to be like you know absolute majority of socialists but like People are just scared of Julia Salazar, and she's, like, one senator out of 62 in the state Senate. Like, can you imagine if we had seven out of 51 seats on the city council? That's a big deal. And then, you know, other, you know, non-socialists might be scared about their re-elections coming up if, like, they get on the bad side of the socialists. Like, are they going to primary me? And, like, we will. So <laughs> should watch out.
1: Are there any, like, particular, like, communities or neighborhoods or regions that DSA is, like, already thinking about that would be really great places for people to run or is that all
2: i mean any place that's like overlapping with where we've already laid down territory so like you know my city council district but also just like bushwick williamsburg where julia salazar overlaps definitely south brooklyn again where they build all that stuff with catarelia team um astoria jackson heights i mean a lot of the places where you know alex ocasio did well and you know tifty caban were doing well like all of those all of them.
1: <laughs> Just do, take take it all. Yeah. <laughs> take the whole city. <laughs> You're listening to Revolutions Per Minute on listener sponsored WBAI at 99.5. We've got Jabari Brisport here in the studio. We've been talking about, you know, the electoral work that DSA has been doing since his run in 2017 and the prospects of getting Democratic Socialists elected to uh, City Council in 2021. Um, but before we get to 2021, we have another very big election coming up. Um, you know, as we heard in a clip earlier, uh, you were very inspired by uh, Bernie Sanders run in 2016. Do you think we can get a, a socialist elected to the White House in 2020?
2: Yes, if we can get past the Democratic primary, I think we're issuing it's just, uh, you know, the pull of some of the establishments and like, just the, the, the media, like, you know, the blackout that's starting that's starting to happen again. And just I, I saw this headline of like, you know, it was like Joe Biden in first and like um, Harris and Warren tied for third. And I was like, you know, you know, Bernie's in second. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, fighting against that. I mean, I think I, I think that, you know, Biden like see, might see the like the, a lot of the initial enthusiasm start to wane as people start to realize, you know, he's actually he's not Obama. He's, he's Joe Biden. And um that it, you know, there's not much going for him, especially considering his record. And I think Bernie can return to being the front runner, and you know, we can win the primary and then win, win, win the election.
1: Yeah. And what was it in 2016 that kind of inspired you about Bernie Sanders?
2: I loved his platform, and you know, my my knowledge of like healthcare policy was was quite low in 2016. And when I heard like this is when he said, "You know, we're gonna have Medicare, but Medicare for all." I was like, "Oh my God, that's the most genius idea I've ever, ever heard of." And then when I thought it was like actually just a thing, in like <laughs> the rest of the developed world, I was actually very taken aback and like shocked that we were so far behind. So it was hearing that, and then just like him talking about the one percent and you know talking about class warfare in a way that I hadn't heard any other politician talk about, really, really inspired me because I, I think so many of the ills um, tie down to are connected to just like income inequality.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, even how you were explaining that in your campaign speech, and it's kind of, for me, the thing that like made it click is like, sometimes it's like understanding the bad first mm-hmm. kind of in a way before you can really understand what this like new vision could, mm-hmm. could look like, you know? So like, for me, it was like, oh, like watching fracking happen, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're being sacrificed, your water's being sacrificed, our climate is being sacrificed. Like, All for fossil fuel industry profits. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what capitalism is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like understanding that's like, oh, that's why we need, you know, democratic socialism. And Bernie was the only candidate, Mm -hmm. you know, while Democrats like Obama and Clinton were like selling fracking to the world, you know, he was brave enough to be like, oh, we should ban fracking. Mm -hmm. And now, this year coming around there's multiple candidates yeah. that that are that are saying that um but you know at the same time i feel like so often the conversation that we're having um you know around presidential elections like doesn't while people kind of talk they touch on the issues but we mm-hmm. don't actually we're not really talking about like what's affecting americans a lot mm-hmm. of the time you know it's still that horse race journalism of like well who's in first yeah, and yeah. let's skip over a second because we're not going to say uh-huh. that guy's name uh-huh. you know so like what are the issues you think that are actually like especially since you're somebody who's out there you know knocking on doors for different campaigns and talking to people pretty regularly like what are the issues we're not talking about right now when it comes to the presidential elections
2: I think housing could be a much bigger part of the presidential election. Like, people are struggling, and like, it's not even just an urban thing. Like, people are struggling everywhere urban, r- suburban, rural. Like, people, like, housing is unaffordable. And it's because in capitalism, we've decided to, like, have homeownership be like a wealth building mechanism, and you can't have housing that's affordable at the same time as it being like an investment. So, we just, we've put ourselves into this awful contradiction where it's like, <laughs> if you own property, you're great, and if you don't, you're just gonna struggle. And you're gonna be like really like screwed um, in terms of like what you're gonna do. So I would love to see just like I would I would love to see a whole debate on like housing and like I would love to see Bernie unveil this awesome like public <laughs> public housing expansive policy. How we're gonna you know rebuild like you know Nysha in New York City, but also just public housing and deeply invest in that throughout the country
1: yeah well, maybe we can start doing some like organizing i mean it looking it's looking like sunrise movement and all mm-hmm. these people that have been you know organizing and you know they were outside the DNC for like a couple of days, you mm-hmm. know, fighting for a debate just on climate change mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. you know, they were in Miami and it's like, oh, the city is about to go underwater. Yes. Let's very briefly talk of this and move right along. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe you know you can start the the organizing <laughs> for <it>. a yeah. <laughs> for a housing a housing debate. <laughs> um, but we are seeing you know an influence even of the organizing that's happening here on certain issue based campaigns, like you mentioned earlier, you know where. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, um, you know, came out mm-hmm. t- to support Tiffany Caban. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're kind of having this conversation about decriminalizing sex work. Yeah. So that's like a very exciting mm-hmm. to thing to see that, you know, local politics can actually really influence the mm-hmm. the national thing. And so, like, how important do you think, you know, I think a lot of times so much of our energy gets obsessed with you know, getting somebody into the presidency. And it's obviously very important, mm-hmm. especially when you, you know, have somebody like Trump in there now to mm-hmm. get him out. Like, but how important do you think it is kind of local politics first, this big national thing that everybody gets so obsessed with?
2: Local politics are so important, especially state legislatures, which control controlled so much of our everyday lives and also big things on housing and even more so in like in New York, especially like just. You know the MTA is just you know that's a, it's a state thing. Like just the way we literally just get to work or get to school or get wherever we're going, it's all a state issue. And when it's not working well, that's a state issue. And if we want it to work better, that's a state issue. Um, you know if we want to find you know like a, a single payer health care system in just New York, that's a state issue. And so these like these local policies are actually can are actually very very immediate to our our, our everyday lives.
1: And so are you familiar with what you know is starting to happen here in New York to get Bernie elected? <laughs>
2: I mean, I know DSA is doing a lot of canvassing and well, not canvassing a lot, doing a lot of voter registration. Um, But that's that's all I know so far. So yeah,
1: and I mean, no, I mean, I'm not that sure yet either. But um, I mean, I know, especially in New York too. Like, Mm -hmm. there's really kind of crazy laws about how early you have to register to vote or like be, you know, Mm -hmm. in the right party. Like, I think it's like October or something.
2: I can't. We just passed a sweeping like bunch of uh, electoral reform bills, and I forget if that one got. Switch, but it used to be like you have to be you have to switch your switch your party like 30 days before the previous election, and so <laughs> that came out to be like October, and which you know threw a lot of people off in the 2016 because it was like oh I had to switch a Democrat by October of 2015, like like seven eight months before <laughs> before the primary. That's why, why? <laughs> how was anybody supposed to know that? So yeah, we have some of the most arcane election laws, and and I know I know we got a sweeping legislation. Hopefully, you know that party registration thing was one of them
1: yeah and in, um i don't know it's it's absolutely insane mm-hmm. and obviously what we're seeing too you know in queens is that mm-hmm. it's really hard to make sure yes. your your vote is counted for and it's insane that there's not just Mm-hmm. automatic registration and yes. everybody can just decide on election day. Like, mm-hmm. I want to get out to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we're we're working on it. Working we're on getting it, it <laughs> step <stuff laughs> by step. Um, another issue, too, in the that really hasn't come up um, or has kind of just come up a little bit, I think, on the fringes and hasn't been like a central issue in the, the election that I've seen you post about before mm-hmm. um, and the Afro-Socialists talk about mm-hmm. is like reparations. Yeah. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit about like where people stand on that and like what you would like to see in the conversation happening during the presidential election.
2: Awesome. So reparations is a bunch of things. And, um, you know, I, I've had a chance to like, there's so much literature about it. So that's just the first thing I wish more politicians were like, would take a more, a more wide lens to it. Like, um, it's not just a check or it's not just a one policy here. Like, it's a wide lens of things. I mean, you know, a check would be part of it, but it's also just like restitution, just like an acknowledgement of harm done. So that's like, you know, instead of Confederate statues, if we saw like an like, you know, statues that like some homage to like the fact that we had, you know, had slavery, we have to acknowledge that we as a country like had slavery, and we apologize for it. Uh, restitution of rights, of voter rights, of property to, um, um, of just freedom to people that have been incarcerated from the from from the drug war, from from this, from that, and like just like better like education on like African American history and just the 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 notion of race in this country, and um, really, I would just like a more holistic view because, and this is. Really from like just the neoliberal influence, just the way they think. It's like people are reparations and they're like, oh, OK, a check for black people. And it's like so much more comprehensive than that.
1: And has Bernie said anything he, about this yet? Yeah, no,
2: he has. It's not enough. I mean, I'm happy he like he moved on it um, better because at first he was like, no, no, it's too divisive. But now he's like he would support uh, HB 40, which is a bill in Congress that would start a commission to explore reparations. And he supports something called the uh Ten, twenty, thirty plan, which would just really deeply invest in like some like thirty poorest counties in in uh, in the country over the next twenty years, which are you know many of them are uh, counties for people of color, but it's uh it's not quite there yet, you know.
1: And have any other candidates like even mentioned it or
2: Kamala has Warren has, uh, Miriam. <laughs> Marianne Williamson has. Um, bless her heart. <laughs> and, um, but I forget exactly what their policies were.
1: And, you know, like since 2016, um, you know, are there other issues that like the Afro-Socialists are working on that you just kind of are seeing like not at all being brought up in the in the elections or that you would like to see maybe Bernie take like a stronger stance on? And I mean, because, you know, Like black voters in the Mm -hmm. South was like not an area he did well on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even other people running here in New York City um, are very often still being carried by, you know, like young white Mm -hmm. kind of gentrified millennials, you know, who might have like the right ideals. You know, they believe in socialists, but they're still Mm -hmm. I don't know. It seems like socialists are still kind of struggling to really make that connection. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems like the policies are in line, but it's not reaching and Mm -hmm. that's not you know that's like our fault Mm -hmm. um
2: no, that's an awesome question. The Afro Socialist Caucus is not at the place yet where we're launching our own internal campaigns. Mostly we're focused on like ensuring that the campaigns that DSA is running have a lens to that respects and like honors the input of people of color. And um, that's you know, that's what we have the capacity to do right now and that's what's really effective right now. Although what I would love to see is I would love to see this caucus be the, the, the leading voice on reparations and that debate because I'm actually I'm actually just very worried that if we're not the voice then it'll be like neoliberal uh, black people and people of of color that will be the leading um voice on reparations and they're gonna be like oh it's a check it's a check it's a check it's a check and that's it or <laughs> like uh you know like you know like just looking at like kamala's pol- like latest housing policy which is just like i think it was like twenty five thousand dollars <laughs> you know a family or whatever to you know, towards home ownership which is just like one not enough but also like Again, home ownership like does not—you can't have like home ownership be the goal at the same time as having affordable housing. So it's just like her diving deeper into this contradiction. Um, Yeah, so that would be it. I would just love to have us be the leading voice on reparations.
1: Cool. Uh, Soon we'll be opening up the phone lines in a couple minutes. Um, You're listening to Revolutions Per Minute on WBAI 99.5. You can find us on all your favorite podcast apps as well as Twitter um, anytime at uh, NYCRPM. And we've been talking to Jabari Brisport about his run in 2017 for city council and what it would look like to take over city council in 2021, and even before that, taking over the, the White House in 2020. <laughs> uh, before we open up the phone lines, one more, co- uh, one more question for you, Jabari. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what do you think, like, you know, I don't know, Like, what, would, what could America look like if we actually had a socialist in the White House?
2: Socialist administration, I think, will, will look a lot less imperialist. So that's one thing. We would probably be spending a lot less money on war. We wouldn't need the hundreds of military bases around the country, and that's money that could then be spent on um, ending homelessness because – We could have ended homelessness 50 years ago. We have enough homes to do it. Um, Ending hunger um, because we produce enough food to end hunger. Um, Ending poverty because we have enough money to end poverty in this country. And um, restructuring the economy around the needs of people. I mean, we have enough to have everybody live um, a, 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 a decent life at minimum.
1: Yeah, we yeah. could pay for that uh newfangled green new deal, yes. you know, <laughs> that AOC is talking about. Mm-hmm. I saw this video today, I guess DC mm-hmm. was like flooding. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in the subways in DC, mm-hmm. they uh they kind of look like beehives. There's like this weird kind of like grid pattern, <laughs> uh-huh. and there's just like a huge hole, and there's just water like rushing through. You know, kind of similar to what happened here in New York City where like Grand Central was yeah. flooding, and it's like these people keep talking about how are you going to like pay for a green new uh-huh. deal? Like, well, how are we going to pay when our
2: MTAs, yeah, are are
1: underwater. (laughs) Um, And so we're now going to open up the phone lines to hear from you, the listeners. Uh, You can call us at 212-209-2877. You know, let us know what you'd like to see in a socialist Mm -hmm. city council or a socialist White House. Um, Again, that number is 212-209-2877. And we will take your calls. We've got a caller on the line. You're live on WBAI. Hello? Hey, yeah, we can hear you.
5: Hi, um, my name is uh, Erebos. And um, I think the shortcoming of a lot of these new or neo-socialist movements is they have no economic program. You you know, a lot of things that people want to get involved in, uh, they, they all... Very much needed, you know, and they're all very much important for this immigration, LGBTQ, the equity, the environment, and on and on. But there
2: is no...
1: I think we accidentally lost him, but any thoughts on that, Jabari?
2: I mean, I love the idea of an economic... I wouldn't say there's no economic program, but I definitely love the idea of, like, you know, amplifying that. And, like, I mean, I'm I'm the support of a maximum wage. Like, I think there should be... A cap on like you know once you've made a certain amount of money it's like what are you really going to do with that extra million dollars like really what are you going to do with it and even when I was running I was like I, I pledged to take the median salary of my district when I was running that's something I saw Kashama Sawant do she's a socialist out in Seattle and um, I was like well maybe I can use that extra money to like hire more staff and do more constituent services and run like a, a, a a campaign office, or like a, a an official office that like really, really meets the needs of my people.
1: Yeah, let's let's ban billionaires. We've got another yes. caller on the line. Caller, you are live on WBAI.
6: Hi. Good evening. This is, this is very refreshing to hear some revolution and some movement that we know don't never we really don't hear on the mainstream and on the uh, the grassroots. Or, Really vibrating on WBAI in this particular uh, show right now, and I think are you familiar, Jabari? I really like the ideas and the concepts and the actions that Jabari has uh, taken, and I really like to connect with him, per, you know, meet with him. And uh, I have something that I we've been working on for years. It's called equity sharing among homeowners. Are you familiar with that?
2: Equity sharing is that like a like a co-op?
6: No, no, mm-hmm. no. Okay, good, good, good. Oh, no. Well, well. what this, so I don't want to give it all away over the radio, but definitely, man, there is some uh, opportunity to beat back the banksters. And uh, <laughs> I would really like to, I'm sure so we're all doing everything we can to beat back the banksters,
5: uh-huh. right?
6: So I really just got really excited to hear that there's some movement on reparations in terms of, like, getting away from the, 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 the uh, the, uh, those who would like just ask for, just say just a check, just a check. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. You want to really get, connect with ADOS. They're really doing some really great uh, informative information about reparations. ADOS. Uh, you check them out. This is a brother out uh, in L.A., uh, Queen Mother Moore. He's related to her. His name is Anthony Moore. So, but yeah, you, I love, I really, I'm so excited that. Bai is doing is on the air, and we need the station and independent, you know, uh, journalism is 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 here, and, and this is just a great time to hear this. This brother Jamari running for uh, city council, so I don't know. You're not, you didn't make it in, did you?
2: I did not. No, no. no. The next oh, time I'll man. be back.
6: But that's okay. That's <laughs> okay, though. But your platform is really tight. I really. So I'm gonna yeah, I would really like to talk to you, though, and like because you have you're doing some things I like to tie in with.
2: Awesome! Yeah, definitely. Let's connect. I mean, you know, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I won't give my phone number over the over okay. the radio. But I know you're not.
6: Okay, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. What, what? What How do I find you? Uh, I can hang. Up, you know, I can listen to you. Continue Jay Brispert on
2: Twitter. That again? Jay brisport on Twitter. Just DM me. How you spell it? J B R I S P O R T. Right.
6: Great. Okay, you guys.
1: Well, thanks so much for calling in and your your support of WBAI. And remember, listeners, we are listener-sponsored, so we can't do this without you. Um, we also have one more caller on the line. Uh, caller, you are now live on WBAI.
4: Good evening. My name is Victor Bontarosa from Newark, New Jersey. Uh, I really, uh, just like the last caller, uh, wants to say that I appreciate um, always, I try to listen every Tuesday, and every time I do, I, I'm always pleasantly surprised with uh... the ideas and the concepts that you guys are are saying not only because they're ideas and concepts but because they're you know you, you see that action going on and i really appreciate the comment about um, it's important to get people of color into office but being from a place like newark and we see this in in lots of cities across the country uh... we get people of color in and they are neoliberal mm-hmm. or or right wingers and um, then we, they're caught up in machine politics, and what we get is uh, a, a very with no type of change. Uh, we get entrenched further into capitalism, and um, really more into poverty. Uh, I want to uh, say that we we really want to bring change to Newark. Uh, we tried there uh, in the last election and gave it a really good run. We had a slate of four people who, uh, with a, a team behind us, that. Uh, are a bunch of activists, but for and I'm sure you guys know this. I'm not saying this to, to you guys, but more to anyone who actually wants to run. Start building your bases. Start calling up everyone. Mm-hmm. Start. Uh, if you're if someone doesn't see you seven times in a row, uh, you know they're, they're not going to vote for you. And it's so sad because mm-hmm. we we carry these really good platforms. We have these really good ideas. Um, and uh, I mean, the last thing I want to say is. Um, I think we really need to democratize our workspaces, even Mm -hmm. at that municipal level. Mm -hmm. And if we can build co-ops or if we can figure out a way to pull people out of those new policies and make it so that we're building uh, community wealth through these uh, co-ops, then hopefully we start seeing some some of uh, the more municipal change to the left instead of being entrenched in these machine politics that are really awful. Thanks Mm -hmm. again, and really good job.
1: Thanks so much for, for calling in and for your support. And do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I just want to thank you so much, especially just I, one thing I forgot to say. You remind me, like bring up the notion of people need to see you seven times. And like you'd be surprised at how much like a personal touch does. I mean, there was one person I met on election day who said hi on the way in and on the way out. He said he voted for me specifically because he had just met me because he was planning not to vote for anybody for that seat because he didn't like the incumbent, but he liked my platform, but he didn't know who I was and never met me. But seeing me on his way in allowed him to vote for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely talked to people on Election Day, too, who, like, didn't know who to vote for and just having a conversation with somebody and actually understanding what your values were and what you were running on, you know, which, you know, you can send out even, like, great lit, but, like, mm-hmm. it's really hard to convey those kind of things, especially, you know, critiques of capitalism mm-hmm. um, on a flyer in somebody's door. So, you know, saw the same thing on Election Day. And we have um, one more caller on the line. You are now Hello? live. on. Yep, yeah, you're live on WBAI.
5: Hello. Hi. Hi. Um this is going to be a, uh, a slightly difficult call. Um, I I did vote for Bernie Sanders um, in in the um, 2016 in in the primary against Hillary Clinton, but um, I, I live in Bedford Stuyvesant and I'm black. I'm um, I'm part of the indigenous black population, so we've been here a long time, and um, you know our neighborhood is gentrifying. And there are good things and bad things about it, but the thing is, I find with the um, with on the local and, and also I, I hope Tiffany Caban wins because her her issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's much better than uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. than the choices. But particularly, I don't know you, uh, Jabari, but particularly with some of the other DSA people I see. Um, you know, I mean, these are the um, these are the kind of upwardly mobile people that are moving in. That all have laptops. That all, I mean, you're black, right? I am. yes. Are you black? You don't talk like a um, black person, and then now, now you're going to say, "Well, how can you say something like that?"
2: Yeah, how you can know? you? I'm kidding.
5: <laughs> well, but 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 the thing is, this is what you all are going to have to deal with: is that you have an indigenous population here that on 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 the on the um, Issue level, you guys are good. You guys are really good. But as far as machines and as far as delivering basic services, what are you going to... You know, we're, we're, we have a um, participatory... Um, what do they call it? Participatory funding thing mm-hmm. thing here. And um, they voted $250,000 for a freaking dog park. And, you know... No, but I mean, these... But the people that actually participated in the election and voted are people that would probably vote for Bernie Sanders. Um, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. You know? I mean, so how do you expect the, I, I. in other words, what the previous caller said about machine politics in Newark and places like that, it is true. But then again, on the other hand, if we get a kind of democratic socialist kind of, um local level representation are we just going to have a flip to another kind of um class you know a class that uses computers a class that's on the internet all the time a class that you know knows how to um access grants a class mm-hmm. that's uh educated you know exactly what i'm saying sir um yeah can you answer my question
2: Yeah, I love that question so much because, look, we definitely don't want to, like, you know, get rid of one system of oppression and then replace it with a totally new one. And I think a lot of it will be coming from just, like, increased base building in these communities, like – Thank you. I'm I'm happy that you came and spoke on the radio about, like, how you wish that money was not spent on a dog park. I I would agree. Like, when I vote on participatory budgeting, I I mostly vote for projects that are either education or or just things to make life easier on the elderly. Like, those are my priorities. And a lot of that comes from me just, like, being in the community and knowing that's what's important to a lot of the people that I'm speaking with. And um, I would uh, assume like I've been very proud of the work DSA has done in terms of connecting with communities and like amplifying them. And I really like the things that we're fighting for. I like that we're fighting for healthcare for all and like, you know, uh, climate and our like energy system in New York City that works for all um, fighting, you know, to protect immigrants, fighting to reform criminal justice. And like, I, you know, I, I really feel that we're like doing a lot to connect with communities and that these are things that are the communities in New York want. And I would also agree that like you can, Always go deeper in that. So I would, I would love to connect with you and just connect with more people in Bed-Stuy. Like, you know, really, what are the things that are important to you? Like, I, w- I, I would love to also, like, you know, we'll have a, ch- have, have a chat and see, like, you know, maybe we'll find out what you voted for. And maybe you didn't see funding for it. And that's upsetting because, like, participatory budgeting makes us, like, fight um, each other over crumbs. And we feel like, ah, oh, man, I really wanted that money for my park. And it went to this, this dog park. And, like, why, why are we fighting over the crumbs when there's so much money that, you know, the rich are hoarding? So thank you for bringing that up and uh it's definitely something we should we should continue working on.
1: So if you've liked what we have talked about, we've talked about today, um, make sure you check out um, past episodes of Revolutions Per Minute. And if you want to get involved more in the electoral work that DSA is doing, um, the Brooklyn Electoral uh, Working Group has a meeting on July 11th. There's also lots of voter registration. As we mentioned, you have to vote, register very early in New York. Um, and you can find um, all of these different events coming up with DSA at socialist.nyc. Um, I Know they also need volunteers right now for the Tiffany Caban campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of this work doesn't end on Election Day. Uh, so, you've been listening to Revolutions Per Minute on listener sponsored WBAI uh, with Jabari. Thank you so much for being here today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, and we will uh, catch you next week. You're here every Tuesday.